Are you guys ready to record this whole thing all over again? <laughs> I didn't care for it. I didn't buy it. That, that seems pretty ridiculous. <laughs> I don't even want to think about the possibility of you having your dick out. Yikes. This is the most important thing in the universe. What happened to it? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I needed to suck in absolutely every moment of awesomeness. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to another fun and festive episode of the Geek Legacy Podcast, where we just... <laughs> I hope you start the episode with the meme. (laughs) (laughs) Laugh all day long. Oh, excuse me. I'm Justin Cavender. With me as always is Mr. Randy Van Dyke. How are you doing today? Um, I'm good, but I'm avoiding bananas at the moment. (laughs) Not me. I love them. Insert those bad boys. Let's go. David, how are you doing? I am amazing. This episode should be called Back in Black in reference to our favorite Jedi who has returned. And I insist that uh, everyone in their headphones uh, listening to this sing a chorus of Back in Black. I say Back in Black. Do you remember when some of the first, uh, I'm going to cut you off and then you can talk. <laughs> <like that>. <laughs> you <laughs> get the gong show, dude. <laughs> Do you remember uh, when the very first bit of official footage, uh, or it may have actually been leaked footage from episode three came out, and it was footage of Anakin and Obi-Wan fighting just against a green screen, and it had Back in Black playing, and how, like, just fucking pumped we were? I will forever associate that song with episode three. Now on to you, Justin. How are you doing? I'm good. <laughs> no complaints. I'm just I watched episode it. three yesterday. Did you? I did. Such a good it's movie. So good. It's so good. It is. Right, Jeff Mueller? Yeah. <laughs> You're starting to sound like a separatist. Yeah, only a Sith deals in absolute. <laughs> Man. So I guess we shouldn't uh, dilly-dally for too long. Hopefully you are all caught up on The Mandalorian. Of course, we got the season finale last week. We are recording all the way up until the minutes before it started. I think it was like a T-minus four minutes. We all had time to pee and grab a snack before... Uh, we were able to hop on Disney Plus and watch the episode. Hopefully you got to watch it too. It was amazing. We had a lot of fun predictions, some of which came true. And uh, I was blown away, man. I uh, This was an episode that had me laugh and cry. I was literally crying and sitting in my own sick in the final, like, I don't know, maybe eight minutes of the episode. I didn't even know what to do with myself. I see this little plane fly up. I'm like, oh my god, it's an x It's happening. This is happening. I don't know what to do. This is too much. I can't take it. It's not a drill. <laughs> and then, you know, we see the security footage. I'm like, oh my god, please, 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 please. Then we see, like, the black glove. And we see the green lightsaber. And I just started just bawling. It was a complete, like, jubilation. It was a celebration. I was so excited. I could not contain my tears, and they were leaking from my face. Holy smokes. What about you guys? How hard is that, Ryan Johnson? How hard was that? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think they'd do it. I didn't think they'd bring bring Luke back, and Last last episode, David was like, "No, nah, it's going to be Luke," and and I I disagreed. I did not think that was possible, and I stand corrected. David you were mean to me too. You're it. like, David, you're an idiot. <laughs> I'm like, no, there's not going to do that. That's stupid. Luke fucking Skywalker, awesome. are you out of your mind? Yeah, they're not going to touch that. They're not going to digitally de-age Luke successfully. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> well, too ain't bad. Yeah, sure. exactly. Um. Yeah, I mean, the, the I, I I was sitting there and I was like, I, I I was, there was nothing but like a thin layer of of tissue between me with my full composure and me 
bawling my eyes out. And I and I did pretty well. I was sitting there lip quivering, single tear rolling down my cheek. Like the entire exchange with Luke. The moment fucking R2 rolls out and starts beeping and Grogu starts cooing, I lost it and I fucking ugly cried. It was so it was so wonderful and so adorable. And then seeing Mando remove his helmet in front of all those people, but especially in front of the child. Holy shit. That is such a wonderful, memorable moment. And I, there are so many great moments in this episode. I feel like everything is overshadowed by, by, by Luke's appearance, but um, wow. What a way to end the season. Yeah. What yeah. got, when I got hit with the, uh, with the allergies, uh, was the when, stupid Diamond Dallas yeah. Page allergies. <laughs> so when the X-wing lands in the loading in the dock, and Grogu's ears perk up because he knows that help is on the way, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is fucking Luke Skywalker." <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like a dog when the car pulls up in the in the park in the driveway, and the dog knows the sound of the car and the sound yeah. of the car door, and they perk up. That kind of thing is the exact same thing. Watching the child perk up. Did you guys get the impression that R2D2 and Grogu know each other? Did you guys pick up on that? Oh, yeah. They're they're buddies. Yeah. I bet R2 saved Grogu. That's that's one of the fan theories out there. That. I, I read a whole article on that just yesterday. And, uh, I mean, it also had some pretty far fetched stuff in there, but, um, I think that would be fantastic, but uh, it says Grogu's memory is dark surrounding what happened, so he may not remember R two saving him so much. But you know, R two never got his memory wiped. That that little fucker knows everything right. and saw everything. Yeah, that's one of the good things. You know, I, I'm, I'm always the expanding universe asshole who keeps bringing it up. Is you know, once we get pretty far into the expanding universe in the old Legends canon, was R two just he just got so full of shit. <laughs> like, cause you know, he, you know, droids get memorized every couple of years and he was sitting on like 50 something years of, you know, you know, being in the middle of the shit of the galaxy. You know, he was, he was, he had a front row seat for like history True. and, uh, you it's know, like a salty sea captain. Yeah. And so it was always, it was always this like ever present clock. Like eventually they're going to have to memorize R2D2 and it's going to be like, he dies. And, uh, luckily, uh, Disney came in and, should can can it before can it before it can happen? I guess so. Sure. Thanks well, he to- was in like low power mode <laughs> for a while. Maybe that helped him out. Yeah. yeah well, it took him that long because he was defragmenting his hard drives. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> Needed the new hotness that is BB-8. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's too much. Well, I guess um, we we kind, of, we kind of went right to Luke Skywalker of all, but I mean, like, uh, but this episode had quite a bit and. One of the things that, that got me at the beginning was uh, seeing uh, how the owls reacted to seeing Boba Fett and really knowing instantly once they heard that voice, like who this fucking guy is. And I thought that was that was cool that even amongst like the Mandalorians, they know Jango Fett and they know Boba Fett. Yeah. But it's interesting because they immediately said, you're no Mandalorian. And, yeah. you know, to which he, he quipped back, never said I was. <laughs> But yeah, a couple episodes ago, you showed us a whole chain code, pretty much telling us the audience that you were. So, um, or at least showing his his claim to the armor. So that yeah. that leads me to believe that at least from the Night Owl perspective, um, that even if Jango Fett himself was a Mandalorian, he kind of no, no number one kind of like sold out his blood literally by by becoming the 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 base for all the clones but also number two they probably don't recognize boba fett as a true mandalorian because he's not a descendant of Django. he is a copy and i don't think they they take the copies seriously for lack of a better explanation 
And all, all of the uh, all the Mandalorians who took part in the clones, the clone army for Geonosis, they were all they all had their backs turned on by the Mandalorians. So like it wasn't Jango was like the master code, but all of the people who he recruited to train the clones and all the people who fought alongside the clones, you know, all of them were kind of disavowed by the Mandalorians. And so, you know, it, it was not out of character for them to be disdainful and hurtful towards Boba Fett. Uh, um, so. But it was fun to see Sasha Banks get to do her little wrestling move on Bubba Fett. Yeah, I was like, there yeah. it is. <laughs> Jetpacking around the place, and she's a lion little thing, isn't she? Uh, didn't yeah. she didn't come out in a in a uh, interview earlier this year that she's like, oh no, I was only in one episode. I was a misdirect, obviously, yeah. but I was glad to see mm-hmm. her character back. Yeah, it was interesting the other, that the other guy wasn't there was, though. Yeah, I was wondering. I'm like, hey, why don't we see the other guy? And then I read, then once we got that four team badass woman fire team, I'm like, oh, that's, I see why. Yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly the reason why. And you know what? Cool. That's fine yeah. by me. Uh, that was that was pretty badass, and it was really cool. And it was something like the moment we saw it happening, uh, my wife was like, hey, that's pretty cool. It's you know, it's a, a team of badass women. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, just murder smallpox to yourself, <laughs> like total Spice Girls kind of thing. It was awesome. I dug it. I liked it when um, the two um, Bo-Katan and what's Sasha Banks' character's name? Casca Reeves. When they hop down and then they use their jetpacks and come back up and shoot yeah. everybody. That was pretty cool. Yeah, just kind of catch the stormtroopers off guard. That was pretty badass. Yeah. Yeah, and how crazy is that catwalk going over just like open space? Yeah, like, a little a rail. <laughs> yeah. Like, That's not man, OSHA compliance. Yeah, I mean, we need to get OSHA up in this bitch. <laughs> what if the ship has to stop suddenly? Then you're going to fall. Yeah, because they're on a spaceship, right? <laughs> yeah, that's dangerous. Yeah, you, you don't want to go to the space lounge and be drinking and then try to walk back to your cabin in that thing. Right. Could yeah. be a ball pit underneath it, though. We didn't see, I don't think. Yeah. And, and I mean, on the planet I... down below? Yeah. What's that? <laughs> I said, down on the planet down below, that far I, below? I thought it fall? was. Uh, the bridge was on the ship, though, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. but, but the, the bridge was over, like open space like they fall down and there's like a little oh, ratio and, they fall, and oh, then sorry. they are in naked space oh, oh i missed i missed that part through it. yeah oh, okay i think i yeah. missed that part uh but one of the shots that i loved in the show was when they uh, they disabled the disable the uh the lambda class shuttle and then you see in, through the cockpit lens you see this you see slave one just kind of come up and over it and stuff like that and you're like oh man that's a bad yeah trip. yeah that is oh my god it's so badass um Oh, and how, how great were those, uh, the Imperial pilots? <laughs> the ones like, hey, I'm not with this guy. I'll totally yeah. work with you. Yeah. He's fucking shot. <laughs> He's like, oh, you're from Alderaan. Oh, yeah, I was there. I'm like, oh, that's not going to end well for you. Yeah. You know, uh, and that's pretty interesting, too, because I've seen some people call out the fact that they just uh, uh, brought into the canon the whole clerk's argument about uh, the millions of people killed on the Death Star. Yeah. Uh, and that, that was pretty fun to see brought up in the actual Star Wars universe. Right. I like to know how he got off the Death Star because they basically went from Alderaan to Yavin. <laughs> Wasn't they didn't make a lot of pit stops? Well, I mean, the Death Star was around for quite a while before that when they were building it, when they were testing it during the Road One era. Which but I know he was, at, he was at Alderaan. He was there, yeah. Mm. I Maybe saw. He hopped it. off. He's a pilot. You know, he's he's coming and going. That's true. He's a pilot. I'm a pilot. I can fly. 
Uh, yeah, oh my god! It, it was cool to see Bo-Katan in uh, and Fett knocking along. You know, then they had to split off, and uh, I was a little sad that we didn't see Boba Fett. You know, until the very, very end, which we'll talk about. But um, I was pretty yep. happy with the team. Yeah, the last two episodes, he was essentially the getaway driver, and I'm okay with that. The yeah. the, the the post credit scene that we'll get to made, more than made up for it. Yeah, it's kind of cool having him as a wheelman. I dig that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, you know, he left. What's uh what's the Mandalorian gonna fly now? He's, he's got, got a take... big ship. <laughs> well, you know, he's got that Imperial shuttle. Yeah. <laughs> um you know, it'd, eyebrows. Be, it'd be Can't interesting to around. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to see like a modified version of the shuttle. Um but when you think about it, who knows? It's like driving a red Ferrari. You're gonna get pulled over in, in the Lambda class shuttle in the you know, it, It's more specifically like like that like a like a police car, like the the, the jacked up one that Heath Ledger uh, stole and <laughs> like purple paint and Joker written on the side of it and stuff like that. It's like we're stealing your vehicle and driving it around town just to piss you off. Right. Maybe there was a cool ship in the hangar that he can borrow. I have to imagine a little bit of time is going to take place between season two and three. You know, we're not going to jump right back into the cockpit of that cruiser and then pick up where we left off. Like an 80s sequel. That would be great. Well, well, I mean, like Karate Kid 2. It's because the Mando in the shower. Did we, set up, did we set up Bo-Katan as the villain for Mandalorian season three? I think I so. I mean, she's got this. Now they have this grievance. You know, is she is is she kind of showing her cards that she's maybe a little, a little overzealous to get this uh, this dark saber back? I saw green eyes, man. She was jealous. <laughs> like poison ivy, green eyes. Yeah, she was ready. She was mad, and even though like he wants to just give it to her, and she's it can't be done that way. I think that's crazy. He's like, okay, I yield. Yeah. She's <laughs> like, he's like, I don't want this thing. <laughs> It was kind of fun, though, when he's just, like, dragging Moff Gideon in, and he's got it extended out behind him. It's like, he knew what he was doing. That was a show, yeah. of course. That was Dick like, Major. What happened? That was great. And then it was cool. We got to see Moff Gideon actually kind of you know, be that conniving scheme where he's like, she can't take it from you. <laughs> I've beaten you. Yeah. yeah. I saw earlier, a little off topic, but um, Giancarlo Esposito, there's all these reports that he's like, uh, to play, everyone's placing their bets on him to be Doctor Doom in Fantastic Four. I, I'm in. That'd be awesome. He's a great cool. villain. Yeah, he's a good, good guy too. He was on like Homicide, Life on the Street. He was cool, and he was a cop in Kaiser Soze. Usual suspects. <laughs> it's funny because uh, he he didn't come on my radar at all until Breaking Bad. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't put my finger on any performance of his before then. And I know he's been acting for a while, but but that was for me. For me, what really put him on the map. Yeah, he has it's like, like Terry. It's like Terry Quinn who plays uh, Lock on Lost. Like he was in like everything before Lost. <laughs> you just right. didn't know because he was always a supporting cast. No, that's crazy. He was in Young Gun, Spirit World. <laughs> yeah, I've been watching The West Wing. He's on The West Wing, so yeah, it's fun. It's fun. And he. He was the, he was Luke Wilson's boss in old school. Yes. Oh wow. <laughs> with, with the, the daughter. daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. He's in a lot of stuff. You're right. He's in a lot of stuff. Don't tell he, me what I can't do. He gets around. He gets around. <laughs> John Locke, my man. 
But I mean, jump, jumping jumping ahead to Luke, um, you know, I, I I love that he was in his black attire. Did either of you have a strong opinion on, you know, were you happy he was in black, or do you think that, you know, do you believe in the whole, you know, color color palette of the original trilogy, and that you know he wore white in A New Hope, he wore gray in Empire Strikes Back, and then he wore black in Return of the Jedi because he was like the closest to turning to the dark side. Uh, and now that he's turned away from the dark side, he should go back to wearing like light clothing. Um, or you just like him in black? Um, as as the as the ignorant one when it comes to Jedi teachings and colors, I dug it in the black because that's that was like our last memory of him from Return of the Jedi. And uh, one of my favorite moments of his was when he force choked the the Gamorrean guard in Return of the Jedi. And I love that he's still using sort of quasi darkish powers to like force crush the droid and so i i i dug that <laughs> so i think it's very very dark jedi of him to do and so for me it fit the mood and the aesthetic and i was all for it um i i like the idea of it especially because when you look at a lot of the um old expanded universe for stuff that took place right after return of the Jedi, almost all the artwork depicted him in black in all in, in outfits that were very similar to what he wore in Jedi. Uh, so to me, you know, here we are five years later. Uh, this is the closest thing to artist rendition that I remember from all those novel covers from way back when. So, so the, I, I kind of enjoyed how that felt uh, like it, fit so naturally on the other hand it also looks like he just stepped off of endor and he hasn't changed his outfit and here we are immediately picking up after that and i'm like dude wash your shirt <laughs> you know <laughs> black is timeless randy he never goes out of style it's no I, too. I i i know i know but but he it, it almost bothered me. It bothers me that he's wearing the exact same outfit that he wore on Death Star Two five years later. Like he should change it up to some small degree. Because look at because, like David pointed out, the the different costume changes he had between episodes four, five, and six. You know, and each one of those had uh, a couple years in between. Um, you know, here we are five years later. Why? Why do we? Why wouldn't we expect some sort of progression in his wardrobe even if he stayed with black uh go kind of the more traditional jedi robes route or something um I, now, well, hear me out randy you know right. when, you're, when you're on a winning hockey team you don't change your jersey and so he's just, <laughs> it's just it's just he's superstitious i'm and i'm fine with that too like, like i said like my base instincts are it reminds me of all the artwork from the expanded universe and i dig it so and and Honestly, Return of the Jedi is my favorite depiction of Luke. I mean, that was probably my favorite of the Star Wars movies growing up because that was what I saw in theaters as a kid. That was really what 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 largely impacted me and 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 solidified my love for the franchise. And to see that exact same version of Luke that I saw when I was six years old, um, stepping onto the screen again, looking the same as he did when I was six years old, thirty seven years ago. Uh, holy shit, you know. Um, what a what a hell of an impact that made. Yeah, I mean brown robes are cool, but black robes are cooler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I and and I and I o- overall, if I were to compare, like, do I like the look of traditional Jedi robes like Obi Wan wore? Or do I like the what Hayden was rocking in Episode Three? I like the Anakin version. <laughs> you know. Yeah, he was like a black and brown kind of thing. Yeah, right? yeah. It was it was like it was like brown and darker brown that kind of looked blackish, oh, but right. um, loved it. Well, I, I love the darker 
colors. And then all uh, black. <laughs> and then, yeah, well, then ultimately, of course, yeah. With a couple, uh, of, couple of beep, bop, boop, shiny buttons. Man, I I was a little bit, I, I'm sad to admit, I was a little slow on the uptake, though, when uh, when Luke made his appearance. Because when that one X-Wing comes, you know, screaming past the windows, and they're like, oh, great, one X-Wing is going to come save us. I immediately thought it was going to be one of the Rebel pilot characters that we've seen earlier in the season. Either uh, Filoni's character, Trapper Wolf, or um, the the other pilot, the other CHP of, of, the, of the space. <laughs> yeah. Ponce. Of, of Star Wars, yeah. Um, uh, the Asian dude. Uh, I don't remember his character's name, but uh, I, I immediately thought it was going to be one of those guys coming back, and it was going to be like some weird callback. And I was okay with it. I was on board with it. It wasn't until the shot of like the security camera footage with it pulling into the hangar and and landing that I saw the marking on the wing, and I'm like, that's Red Five. <laughs> Holy shit! Standing by. <laughs> And and then and then all of a sudden it clicked because I was in such denial from just thirty minutes prior having a conversation on this very podcast that there's no fucking way it's going to be Luke. I still can't believe it's Luke. It's crazy. Right. <laughs> it seems crazy to me that they would they they would tread on that territory and that they would go there and do that and and that it could be it could be done with Mark Hamill's voice and it could not be spoiled just like just like they prevented Baby Yoda from being spoiled they prevented Luke's involvement from being spoiled. And I fucking love that. Well, what, we'll talk about that right now. What about, you know, for a long time, there've been talk about Sebastian Stan, maybe playing Luke Skywalker or having a younger actor play Luke Skywalker. When they were shrouding his face, part of me was like, okay, the reveal is going to be the face. Is it going to be Sebastian Stan? If it's Sebastian Stan, we know we're getting a Luke Skywalker series. If they de-age Mark Hamill, this is kind of like a, like a one-off or something like that. Were you, in any way, Justin disappointed that it was a de-aged Mark Hamill and not another actor? No, not at all. There wasn't an ounce of disappointment in my body. I was so excited to see Luke Skywalker as how I remembered him. I mean, keep in mind, I don't have a problem with Luke Skywalker and or um, Last Jedi. Last Jedi either. I think he was awesome as old man Luke, but it was really, really cool to see. The young Buck Luke kicks a major ass and and get that reveal like Randy's talking about of the the old expanded universe uh, artist renditions of him and just how if if you were to ask me what Luke Skywalker looks like that's pretty much it <laughs> so it worked out and so I was one hundred percent happy I I honestly I forgot all about the whole Sebastian Stan um, idea and I don't need a Luke series or him to pop up in any capacity other than what we saw uh, in this episode. I mean, we got three movies of him, so it's not, it's not like he's an underserved character. <laughs> right. I got to see him be a bad... And, and even like that whole side-by-side footage of, of Vader and Rogue One and, and Luke in Mandalorian, I thought was really cool. Um, you know, as I'm watching it, it definitely reminded me of Rogue One, but to see the lightsaber movements and everything happening as he's walking down the hall, I thought that was pretty badass. Yeah, would be a Randy. Were you hoping for uh, a DH Mark Hamill, or were you hoping for you know a, a new face? Uh, again, because it caught me so far off guard, I didn't even think it was going to be a possibility. So I didn't have any preconceived notions going into it. I just didn't think it was going to be Luke. Um, but uh, I, I'll agree with the assessment. If it would have been Sebastian Stan, that would have meant that it would have been that, that it would be opening like the floodgates for a Luke series or at least multiple um, 
Multiple cameos, multiple appearances, sure. So this this definitely solidifies it as a one-off. And I'm going to say it's not really a one-off. It's going to be a two-off because, at, uh, or a three-off even. <laughs> because at some point, we're going to see Grogu again. And I think we're going to have to either see him with Luke or with R2 uh, to make that happen. Because Mando pretty much says that, you know... It, he promises that they'll see each other again, which means that we'll see them pop up again in the show um, or in one of the spinoffs, whether it's an Ahsoka episode or, or whatever it is, we are going to see them again. Did, did Mando give him the, the, the knob, the ball knob? No, I don't think so. Cause I mm-hmm. remember he found it on the ground after the ship. Get his yeah. He, he found it. He tucked it in his belt. He definitely didn't give it to him before he left. Cause he was empty handed. Um, but yeah, if anything, sucks. I mean, he might've held on to it just to kind of remember the little guy. Right. Maybe at the very, very end of the show, he'll get it. He's going to melt it into dice. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> how, how cool would it be if he melted it down and turned it into like the, the lightsaber hilt for Grogu? Yeah, that'd be pretty fucking cool. How big is the knob? (laughs) I don't know how big is your knob. (laughs) Big enough. Yeah, when I when I I saw Luke, I was you know, you know, I I read over two hundred expanding universe novels, and all I read was Luke Skywalker can do anything. Luke Skywalker is amazing. Luke Skywalker is the biggest badass in the entirety of the galaxy, and all we saw in film lore was, yeah, he's pretty good. He beat Darth Vader, but you know, he was still learning. And to see on screen. In, in living color, you know, him just murder everything. You know, we saw earlier, earlier on in the episode that one dark trooper was, was, was almost too much for the Mandalorian. And now we got what, like 40 or 50 of them. And he just cuts through them. Like it's nobody's business. Um, you know, just to see him just be that, that God level Jedi that we've all know, knew that he could be was just, uh, it was, it was very, very special. It meant a lot to me. And uh, I think that's why I was so emotional is that I finally, in the same way, I hold the prequels to such reverence because they brought me some of the EU locales like Coruscant, and you know, I got to see the Sith and stuff like that. You know what they did with Luke Skywalker um, really, really, you know, accentuated my love for the franchise. Sure, I think that's fair, mm. and I'm glad you got to see it. Yeah, me too. Now, Randy had mentioned Grogu's return. Uh, do you, Justin? Do you think? we will have an absence of Grogu for like maybe a season or so, or do you think that he's just the goose that laid the golden egg and Disney's going to want him back ASAFP? I think, so I think it will be a fun test to see how well we do without him. Um, and then when we get him, it's going to be an emotional return. And I think that in itself is going to be pretty powerful stuff. I mean, it's, it's kind of weird to compare the two, but I mean, when like Sansa and and um, Arya were apart for like six seasons, and then when they finally saw each other again, I don't even like most of that fifty percent of those characters, and I was like choked up. I was like, "Oh my god, they see each other! This is so beautiful, and I love it." And so I think that their reunion will be a pretty powerful uh, and meaningful episode. So I think it. I think having Grogu away for a season. Uh, was is a good thing. Now, Randy, do you think we could conceivably ever do a a time jump that would warrant Grogu maybe saving the Mandalorian? Like, think like Empire Strikes Back. Luke's getting in his X-wing. Yoda's telling him not to go. But now we have 
Luke on the ground telling Baby Yoda slash Grogu not to go, but Grogu's like, I have to go. I, or, you know, <laughs> however, eventually Grogu will have to speak. I'm sure that'll be a big <laughs> deal. But you know, him basically telling Luke that I have to go, I have to save him. You know, um, it's worth the risk. Blah blah blah. And then him taking off, and Luke having to commune with someone and say there's another or something. Do you do you foresee anything like that being possible? I, I love how that rhymes, and I would love to. I would love for that to be a thing, but I have to imagine so much. So much time would have to pass for Grogu to mature to the point where he could pilot a vehicle and actually go save the Mandalorian uh, from something. Because right now he just feels so fragile, and maybe it's because he's out of touch with his Force powers, and maybe he was a little badass before. Uh, before order 66 uh, and maybe he's just kind of like regressed into this like infantile state um, since then. But I, I would need to see such a progression in Grogu to, to really believe something like that would happen. Um, I, while I do think he is the goose that laid the gold, golden egg, I don't think, I, I think that John Favreau and Dave Filoni are smart enough to, not overdo it and not overplay it. And I don't think we'll go the entire third season without seeing Grogu. I think by the end of it, we'll have some sort of like check-in just to see that he's okay. You know, like he's off at space summer camp and, uh, you know, we're going to get a letter, a letter home or something like that. We'll get something. Um, hopefully a burning, a burning school. And he's dead from Kylo Ren killing everybody. We got a little time, a little bit of time, because uh, <laughs> no. we're still six years off from Luke even forming the Jedi Academy. Um, Archie's going to smuggle him out just like he did for Order <laughs> There you go. That would have been funny if he opened up and grew, went inside of him, or he <laughs> rode on top of him. Well, there there was an expanded universe novel where where Yoda actually was inside of he was being smuggled into somewhere inside of an astromech. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was a fully functional astromech to have that much room to to, to host a life form like that. But is it that rendezvous one? It may have been, yeah. Dark rendezvous. Yeah, dark yeah. Rendezvous. yeah, it's dark rendezvous where uh, the lead up to episode he, three. Yeah, he's going on a peacekeeping mission to try to convince Dooku to come back to the Jedi, and he actually convinces Dooku to to come back to the Jedi to turn away from the separatist, and then Anakin and Obi Wan show up, and Dooku looks at a camera and he's like, "This fucking guy." Yeah. <laughs> Can't handle him. <laughs> That's awesome. This is our um, specialty. Yeah, there's too much cuteness. If uh, Grogu were just to like R two was just to pop open a panel and Grogu goes in, I don't, I just, I just don't think we were like capable a little of kangaroo. And he's like <laughs> like a marsupial and he's just kind of <laughs> hanging out and going for a ride. No. Yeah, I, I think well that definitely would have solidified that that R two was the one that saved him from Order sixty six if that did happen. Um, well, but, that's an interesting concept too. So, what would you say if now that we know that um, Hayden Christensen's coming back for the Obi Wan show, of them showing us kind of like an extended Order sixty six or a uh, a different portion of Order sixty six in which we see Grogu? Do you do you see any possibility in that? Um, I think it's I think it's entirely possible, and maybe that's where we find out that Grogu has a power that we've never seen yet, and that's the power to shield himself from being seen by other Force users, and that's what's kept him alive for so long. And maybe maybe he uses that power to escape, like he's there in the room while Anakin's cutting down other people. He's just hiding around the corner, but he's using his little Force bubble that that prevents him be, from being uh, sensed. 
Maybe he's too cute to kill. Like Anakin's like, oh, he's like, oh man. I, he's got I've that seen, like Puss in Boots look. Yeah, yeah I've eyes. seen all those. <laughs> I've seen all those memes where it's like, hey, I kind of like you. Don't go to school tomorrow, kind of thing. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, oh. and, and, then, and then I saw the exact same meme format, but with a shot of Kylo Ren at the beginning. So mm. it's like, hey, you're pretty cool. Don't go to school tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Take tomorrow off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. I I don't know I don't know how they're gonna handle it. It's it's a lot to think about, and I and I I hate, absolutely loathe the idea that Grogu would die with all the other Jedi trainees uh, at the hands of Ben Solo. I do not like that, and I don't want that to to come to fruition. Um, and and I I I really don't think that that Disney and and the, the creative powers that be right now would allow that to happen. Um, but it certainly gives us something to speculate about. Well, Justin, what would you say of, you know, you know Luke will return, I'm assuming, at some point. Um, would you like the idea of him showing up on episode, a very special episode of Ahsoka, and where they can kind of talk about Anakin Skywalker, you know, because Ahsoka sure. knew Anakin a lot, and, you know, Luke was there at the end when he came back to the light. I think so. I think that'd be great. I mean, I, don't, I certainly don't need it, but I'll take it. I, I I can go the rest of my life without Luke Skywalker ever making an appearance again in live action form uh, uh, in Star Wars. But if they do it, I'm happy to watch it. He went out on top, the champ. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> I'm I'm kind of in a in a similar boat because I feel he was kind of done dirty in Last Jedi, and if this is the last taste of live action Luke that we get. It does put him back on top where he belongs. Yeah. Oh, I mean the shoulder, the shoulder shrug thing. That's, I that's mean, one of my favorite moments in all of Star Wars. <laughs> that, that that was pretty nice, and and he's got some great dialogue in there. And and I, I really don't hate the Last Jedi that much. I just, you know, I wanted the old expanded universe, Luke, as I'm sure, sure Dave probably did too. You know, sure. um, and 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 we definitely wanted. Him to at the end of that after he, we'll say escaped uh, Kylo Ren at the end there, it would have been amazing if he pulled up his X-wing out of the out of the rubble and then hopped in and took off, and then we get the black screen and you know directed by Ryan Johnson and I would have been like, oh my god, Luke Skywalker's gonna save the day. He's gonna be the greatest movie of all time. I mean that that would have been really fucking cool, but we didn't get that. We saw a very beautiful end. That I was not ready for, I think, is what ultimately what I had to deal with. Yeah, and I, uh, with all of my complaints on Last Jedi, Luke Skywalker is it's not really one of them. You know, I, I like his ending. You know, I like the whole, like you said, the dust off. I like, I like the the fact that uh, his you know his last line is like "See you around, kid." <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, this that cocky, you know, half Han Solo, half Luke Skywalker, and you know, so I, I'm fine with that. You know. My, what I what I was you know kind of toying with figuring out today was you know you know how can I get Luke Skywalker and Grand Admiral Thrawn sitting in a tree K I S S I N G type <laughs> style because uh, I mean if if they do bring back Grand Admiral Thrawn which they they wouldn't name drop him if it wasn't heavily in the cards you know Grand Admiral Thrawn is not a Moff Gideon level threat to where like you know random outer rim bounty hunters can take him down Grand Admiral Thrawn is like the Emperor. You know, and Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Princess Leia will be in, or whatever she's called, uh, Chief of State uh, Organa, 
they will be involved in any Grand Animal Thrawn shenanigans. So, how does know. Thrawn meet his d- demise? Well, in the expanded universe, he was stabbed by his bodyguard. Like worm so, tongue. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> <sort of. laughs> so, so there's this uh, there's, there's this race called the Nagri, and what they do is, you know, um, there was a space battle, and their planet was decimated, and Vader came down to the planet. And saw these assassins try to kill him, and he saw like, oh shit, these guys actually have skill. I don't. I we can use these people. So he he made it sound like the empire was going to fix their planet, and really the empire was continuously poisoning the planet. So they would always be beholden to the empire. And at a certain point, uh, Darth Vader and Grand Admiral Thrawn had gone on a mission together, and Grand Admiral Thrawn had saved Darth Vader's life. And as a reward for him, Darth Vader bequeathed him the Nagri, and they became like his bodyguard. And his main bodyguard was a guy named Rook, R-U-H-K or R-U-K-H, one of the two. Uh, and at the end of Last Command, which is the third book in the, uh, the, the Thrawn trilogy, he find Leia tells him, this, uh, shows them that these, these, the Empire was poisoning their planet, and so they decide to turn against the Empire. And um, at the point in the story, it looks like the Empire is actually going to win. Grand Animal Thrawn is un- unbeatable. There's no way that the the New Republic can can withstand you know what he is what he's putting down, and only when he's betrayed and stabbed, and the Empire realizes that they needed a Grand Animal Thrawn to survive, and Grand Animal Thrawn is unfortunately dead, and he sits there in his pristine white white uh, white uniform as like the blood starts to like seep out of his heart, and you know his uniform goes from white to red. It's, and his oh, last so he has are, red blood? I was going to ask. Yeah, so the la- the, his his uh, his last words are, but it was done so artistically. <laughs> He oh. He's all about art. He analyzes people's art, and the, by analyzing the art, he can tell what their weaknesses is. There was that Klingon, that new Shakespeare, you know, in yeah. Star Trek Six. Same guy, <laughs> Chang. <laughs> yeah, you never heard Shakespeare until you heard in the original Klingon, except Shakespeare was a British dude. Yeah, that's how they do. <laughs> Can we talk about the end? The very, very, very end? The yeah. post credit scene? Yes. The setup for the uh, the spinoff? That was kind of fun. That was rich. <laughs> and, 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 a, and a genuine surprise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, Star Wars isn't known for its post credit scenes. In fact, this is its first, um, I guess. Although, was Broom Boy technically post credits, or was that just before no, the credits? It's pre-credits. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we, we see... Jabba's palace in the desert. Jabba um, no bother. <laughs> and Not in Jabba's, Jabba's palace. <laughs> yeah, in, in Jabba's absence, uh, Bib Fortuna uh, looks like he kind of took over whatever crime business Jabba had going on, complete with his own chained up slave girl and <laughs> and uh, slightly thinned down uh, Gamorrean guards hanging around in the palace. And, That's because uh, uh, Bib Fortuna's eating all the donuts. He's oh my god! Some yeah, he was he was trying to really fill out that throne, right? Yeah. <laughs> but on top of Jabba's dais, where he would normally, the, where the slug would lay, there's this like really cool stone uh, throne that that Bib Fortuna was sitting on. And it's important to note that that uh, two things were were brought into existence from this appearance of, of Bib Fortuna. Um, the original guy that played him in Return of the Jedi, I don't know if he's still around, but he uh, he didn't play him when the Bib Fortuna character was kind of resurrected for uh, a younger version for The Phantom Menace. A guy named uh, Matthew Wood played him, who's uh, in the sound department for the 
the prequel trilogy and uh, also famously did the voice of General Grievous. Well, he came back to don the makeup and the leku and uh, played Bib Fortuna again in this post credit scene, setting up the new spinoff for Boba Fett called The Book of Boba Fett. And... Um, yeah, we see the the Fennec Shand character come in and just start like annihilating everybody in the room, um, and then freeing the slave girl before while clearing a way for Boba Fett to come in and take the throne. And then he's just sitting there looking all majestic, and she's drinking fucking Romulan ale or whatever that blue shit is. Yeah, <laughs> she's like a calendar girl on like those hot rod magazines. I know, just like, like all leaning on it. <laughs> the chair yeah i was like what the fuck this is nuts and, dude. yeah and, and and first i thought this was just you know a playful little oh you know boba fett's returning to to tatooine i had no idea it was actually setting up another series um even though we had heard a bunch of rumors that the boba fett was going to get his own series but i kind of threw that aside like there's no fucking way they've given him too much screen time in the mandalorian and really honestly how how interesting is he at this point where we've already got a much more interesting mandalorian in play but holy shit, they're 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 doing it anyway, and and I could not be happier, uh, and I love it. And the other thing that was brought into existence, other than the return of Matthew Wood as uh, as Bib Fortuna, was the accessory that he was there on his throne with, was this this cool, gnarly, twisted-looking staff that he never had in the original trilogy. However, the 1983 Kenner action figure uh, of that character came with this random staff that never made it in the movie. And here it was in the TV show. You gotta uh, have accessories with the toys. You, you gotta. Well, you know, it's all about merchandising, and <laughs> and I already have that staff, so it's luckily something I don't have to buy or make uh, because I, I done already got it. Um, but holy crap, I, I thought that was cool. And again, it's just one of those things where you know, like the eWeb Canon before it, uh, it's like they're they're reaching into my toy box of my childhood and breathing it into life. And even a better example, the Imperial Troop Transport, um, you know, something that only ever existed in toy form, never in live action. And Mandalorian's bringing it to us for real. Sure. Do you think we'll get to see um, Marshall Cobb Banth again? Since it's back on Tatooine? Um, I think it would be crazy if we didn't. And I think Boba Fett might have some words for the guy. Um, <laughs> even though it's totally not his fault. I mean, he's, he should really sure. be spending his time going out there and just like headhunting Jawas. Like, sure. those fuckers are, are persona, persona non grata in, in, Boba, in Boba Fett's new palace there because those little fuckers stole his armor. Yeah, um, a bunch of pilfering sons of bitches. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting it'd be- that we had that investor call and they named all these Star Wars shows and then they left this one a little secret, a little <laughs> trickers. Yeah. Yeah. Sneak, man. They, they did that shit and they pulled it off and none of us saw it coming. Now, so Justin, do you, do you foresee a literal book of Boba Fett almost like Arrow season one to where he's got a list of people who he who needs some retribution? <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's got a lot of to... problems with you people like Frank Costanza. <laughs> Yeah, just go to town. <laughs> sure, I mean maybe, but I I think I think he knows that you know this territory is up for grabs, and he was just gonna take it, and maybe now he's just gonna be, you know, large and in charge. I yeah. think he's I think he needs to settle down, like Conan, the end of Conan, right? He's got his own kingdom, and all he needs is 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 the love of of somebody sitting next to him, and now he kind of has that, so. It should be interesting, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if um, I don't I don't know if it's gonna be 
an ongoing series or if it's just going to be like a like a one sort of eight season spectacular or something like that as opposed to an ongoing show i don't know how right. it's hard and to it, say because i i didn't know I, I like having less baba fett i think he's cool but i want him it like sporadically i want i think less is more so i am kind of torn to see where this goes i love watching him in action when we got to see him kick major ass but mm-hmm. i mean if i only got that every so often i think that would be cooler than sort of a freak of the week every episode is him just going out on some adventure i would rather there be a little bit more mystery to him like we've had since my entire existence i think they're gonna have to give him a character i think they're gonna have to make give us a reason to want to follow him week for week and you know they did a good job really not giving us anything on the mandalorian but i think boba fett being the legacy character he is and what he brings to the table uh, I think they're really going to have to bring some depth to him. And I don't know if, you know, maybe his interaction with Sasha Banks and Bo-Katan is, is kind of like that impetus of just showing, you know, how the clones and how Jango Fett is kind of reviled throughout the galaxy to where, you know, maybe it is a literal book and he's going after like the Kuminans for being such awful shitbags and stuff like that. Maybe he's, you know, going to go out and, you know, recruit and look for, you know, older clones who can, you know, come to his aid and stuff like that. So I would like to think there's more to Boba Fett, but had we not known it was going to be a new show, I would fall in your camp, Justin, to where, yeah, every se- every every like other season, Boba Fett just shows up for like an episode or two and just murders everybody and then just goes back to his palace. Because now right. it's Boba Fett's palace, Randy. Right, of course, yes. Um, yeah, you're right. There, there's got to be something uh, bringing us back. There's got to be something holding us there. I like the fact that that he's got a sidekick and and she's probably equally if not more so badass than he is uh but which is kind of cool because he's getting older he's maybe not as fast as as he once was and he's you know he's got somebody to watch his back which is nice um but yeah there there i think this is this might be an opportunity for one of those limited series that we hear so much about where maybe it's a one and done kind of thing and and i would like the idea if it's a total you know my name is earl where he's got a a list and he's just crossing things (laughs) off you know he's got to go like right some wrongs and kill some fuckers and and that kind of thing to you know to to be at at peace with the galaxy but you know what i would also be entirely happy if he just runs a gigantic crime syndicate and uh (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's a good idea, but I mean, right. the, mo- the most the boring Godfather. episodes, the most boring episodes of Battlestar Galactica were the ones that dealt with some kind of inner conflict on the ship. You know what I mean? So if he's just sitting in a chair, hearing people's stories and having to deal with their bullshit, I I'm not interested in that. <laughs> so right. You, I never, you want to hear him like defending himself of like political intrigue and like someone trying right. to backstab him every episode. Like just use your jetpack and go fly and kill somebody. Just do yeah. what you do. I think this is going to be a great opportunity to bring back some of the old bounty hunters like Dengar, you know, Forlom, Zuckus, any of those ones that are still out there banging um, to, to bring them into, into the mix. Um, I think they're all still around right now. Sure. Uh, well, well, we know Fennec Shan's going to be in the the Bad Batch show, so maybe uh, you know she's got an affinity for clones as well. Yeah, and maybe in the course of the Bad Batch, uh, we run into a younger Boba Fett at some point in time, and we see their first meeting, and we see why, you know, he was so quick to 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 be there to to prevent her from dying and to to look out for her in season one of Mando. And one of Boba Fett's main rivals is Cad Bane, and Cad Bane's still kicking, right? We, he didn't die in Rebels, right? 
I don't believe he did. I don't think he did either. And I, I know they have a very cantankerous relationship, and uh, they're not friends. And I know Justin would love to see Mr. Bane come back with his hat. I, I, I think he looks pretty cool. <laughs> I dig the the cowboy look, the duster and the and the hat, and those yeah. little tubes on his face. I think he's just a real creeper. And uh, Hondo Anaka would be a fun one to see in live action too. I guess we kind of get to see him in sort of live action at Galaxy's Edge, um, but you know we know he's around until the sequel era, and he was around in Rebels and Clone Wars and all that. And you know he's got his fingers in the criminal underworld. So uh, you know there's there's definitely some some fruit to pick off of that tree. Sure. So I, I like the idea of him going around and and going through his, you know making a list and checking it twice kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I don't get why he would have sat down in the chair like he was laying That was the first name on his list. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, any, any, anybody, any, you know, uh, or maybe that's the last name on his book. Maybe we saw the end of the show. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good point too, from a Tarantino sort of standpoint, right? Like it's just a nonlinear approach. Then because the problem with that is we know he survives and he's never in any real danger, nor is Fennec Shand if we see the end of it. But yeah. well, we well, we saw that the the showrunners are going to be um, the executive producers are going to be Favreau and Filoni and Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, so Rodriguez <laughs> got, likes to get bloody. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, and I'm sure it's going to be great. Yeah, Go he's ahead. the one that did the episode with uh, Boba Fett kicking all that ass too. So yeah. uh, Robert Rodriguez, that is. So I mean, we're, I'm. I, I couldn't those uh, that trio it seems perfect for that show, um, and yeah, you just totally mind fucked me by saying, "Well, what if we saw the end of it right there?" Cool. <laughs> yeah, but, I know, that's good point. But you have to imagine he's got a bone to pick with with you know somebody from Jabba's court there that either that 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 got him involved in that whole mess, you know, that kind of fucked up his life. Yeah. So but it wasn't um, Jabba's fault. <laughs> not necessarily. He was sticking around because he wanted to capture Luke. He wanted to take yeah. Luke back to the Empire. So it's it's on him. Yeah, and and, and you know, Pip <laughs> Fortuna is a conniving little fuck anyway. So you know, he was pulling some strings and he was looking out for himself and he was just looking for a way to kill the hut. I mean, why was he not on the sail barge? Why did he not die? And same thing, he was talking to some Weequay sitting next to him. Is that the same Weequay that was on the skiff that was trying to put Luke into the pit? Um, you know, I don't know. But there's some familiar faces. Yeah, that was cool. And it's cool. We're uh, you know we're gonna get the book of Boba Fett in December, and then as soon as that ends, we get Mandalorian season three. So they're gonna run back to back. So we'll yeah. get sixteen weeks of Mandalorian. So season three is twenty twenty two. So the originally had announced that season three of the Mandalorian was going to be in December of twenty twenty one, and then when they showed that title card, book of Boba Fett. Uh, December twenty or December twenty twenty one. Everyone got confused, thinking the third season of the Mandalorian was the book of Boba Fett. Everyone's like, "Oh, I guess we're done with the Mandalorian." So they needed to put out the information to show everybody that, like, no, 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 they're two separate shows. Uh, so yeah, so book of Boba Fett is going to air first, and then the Mandalorian. Okay. So yeah, right. so conceivably it'll be early twenty twenty two. Man, and you know what's interesting about that is, I feel like I would have been okay if this was. I mean, it, there was a cliffhanger with the dark saber, of course. But if that didn't exist, and, and Bo-Katan got her dark saber and got to go, go and do dark saber shit, then I would have been totally okay with that, and that'd be the end of 
the story that we have for the Mandalorian. I totally would have been fine with that. A hundred percent agree with you on that. Yeah. It's funny you said dark saber shit. There's like a, a trend on like TikTok and it's like, Hey, I'm going to go hot girl shit. And then, so it's been like, all, <laughs> now it's been supplemented with like dads. Like, I'm going to go do dad shit. And then like, you know, the, you know, people are like, I'm going to go do Mexican shit type stuff. So you saying dark saber shit makes me laugh. <laughs> like I just picture, you know, the Mandalorian said, Hey, I'm off to do dark saber shit. <laughs> Yeah, so that's where my head's at. But I'm I'm totally cool with what it, it's in the right. It's obviously it's in the right hands. They have a proven track record, and uh, we can speculate from now until December of 2021. Ultimately, maybe even January 2022. And uh, I can't wait to see where this goes. Definitely. And you know, we don't have to go uh, immediately without new Mandalorian content uh, to some small degree. Uh, Right away, because, you know, on Christmas Day, we are going to be getting an episode of uh, Disney Gallery. <laughs> the behind-the-scenes <laughs> the behind uh, look at Mandalorian. So I don't know if they're doing another full eight-episode season like they did last year, but I know that kind of helped me come down from the Mandalorian high from season one. So uh, we're still going to get a little bit of, of Star Wars goodness looking into the behind-the-scenes of the series, which I really, really enjoyed last time around. Is that a weekly release as well, or is yes. it all at once? Yes, it's not all at once. It is a weekly release. At least that's how it was last season, so I anticipate it'll be the same this time around. I'm and hoping to give an episode to Robert Rodriguez because he's got that, that crazy like near tarantino energy and i want to see him just like fucking like marking out all over like bubba fett like bubba fett just hit that fucking stormtrooper <laughs> did you uh did you guys watch the the first season of disney gallery i, I did yeah okay so like when when they did it they had like an episode with like all the directors sitting around um and then they had an episode with like a bunch of the actors sitting around. And then they had an episode with like Kathleen Kennedy and some of the higher ups sitting around a table. And sometimes they would edit little bits of the different groups together, but for the most part it was kept separated. So it was like, this one's a director episode. This one's an actor episode. This one's a, you know, higher up the Disney food chain episode. Uh, so we're, I, I can guarantee we're, we're probably fairly certainly going to see Robert Rodriguez on the show, but um I would love to see more of the actual on-set footage of of how things come together. Um, you know, not so much necessarily the technology behind it because that was a lot of the wonder of the first season. Now it's kind of like, okay, we know how the sausage is made, but I still want to see like what was shot on location and you know how did you guys pull off these certain things and uh, yeah, there, there's other questions that I would rather have answered, but but. I'm going to treat this the same way as I treated it last season is I need something to come down. You know, when you when you're quitting a drug, you can't just like stop cold Turkey. You gotta like, you gotta go on the methadone or whatever. Wean, wean kind, of, kind of wean it off. Right. So, sure. so this is my way to wean off of, uh, off of Mandalorian until next year when I can fall off the wagon again. Yeah. I had to watch it because I wanted to prove to my wife that we didn't spend $70 a year on just the Mandalorian. <laughs> I wasn't going to watch other shit too. Sure. That's well, there's a lot of decent stuff. Like, if you're any kind of Disney fan or, or theme park fan, like I really liked the uh, Imagineering Story documentary yeah. series. That's amazing. Um, it really was. Yeah, there's there's a lot of really decent stuff on on Disney Plus right now. Yeah, isn't it kind of crazy how like um, you know a, a big time director like Favreau, who's made motion picture shows for a long time now, is almost like he has a permanent home at Disney now. You know, he did. 
like Jungle Book and Lion King, obviously this Mandalorian show and any other Star Wars shows that are coming out. And it's, it doesn't necessarily count as TV, but it's some other long-form storytelling format. And I just think it's fascinating that, um, like, we don't even care. You know, there used to be this time where where it was TV stars and then there was movie stars. And now it's all about these, like, crazy streaming services. Yeah, AMC and FX kind of changed the game, you know. Because, yeah, like you said, TV was where you went once you were done being a movie star. Yeah. And then, you know, FX started making shows like The Shield and, you know, we got like so things like Sons of Anarchy. And then eventually we got to like Breaking Bad and you know that paved the way to things like Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead, which became just, you know, event television, you know, on par with like major blockbusters and stuff like that. You know, to where now we have people who just, you know, they don't have to make another movie. They can they get to sit there and make their 10 episodes a year and get paid tons of money and have job security. And Yeah. No, no kidding. I mean, it would be awesome to have like a a 10 episode gig on Netflix and just show up every year. Okay. Here I am. <laughs> what do you want me? You know, it's, it's freaking I had another kid. Got to pay for more college. <laughs> yeah. I just think that that's, that's crazy that it's evolved into that. And I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's finally, you know, cause television came about, you know, for 30, 35 years after the advent of movies. And so it was always viewed as kind of like the small screen and it's never, there was never the glitz and glamour like there was on the silver screen. And, you know, it took, you know, what, 50 years, 50, 50, 60 years for us to, you know, get over the stigma that, you know, small screen is less than. And, you know, now we're at the point to where I don't think anyone would ever look down on someone for taking a television series over a movie. Sure. And, you know, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's interesting because, uh, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's character is, he's done with movies and now he's doing the, He's the guest star on a show as the heavy, and he's the bad guy. And somewhere in like the '90s, like like the Mad About You or the or the the Frasier type shows were, or Seinfeld, where it's like the number one show on TV, and everyone's just fighting for a guest spot to be that guy that gets to be on this show, and it's going to be so cool, and everyone's going to watch it, and everyone's going to love it, and. Um, that's kind of when I, I noticed, like, man, look at all these celebrities that are getting to go on these shows. And I Love Lucy did that, too. You know, I mean, that was in the 50s. And there would be all these movie stars. But she was best friends with all those people and was just like, hey, come on my show. It'll be great <laughs> kind of thing. But, I mean, that's a pretty big gap from 1950 to, you know, 1990, 40 years before it was cool again to be a guest on a TV show. I don't know yeah. where I was going with that. I just I no, remember no, noticing that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a great turning point. You know, that's when, you know, I think that's when people really started to pay attention to to television and take it a little more serious. You know, you know, it stopped being a, being a joke like a very special episode. You know, the '80s were full of a very special episode and right. made for TV movies. To where I think in the '90s, when you know movies came on to TV, it was a little more uh, had a little more chutzpah. Right. And that's also around the time, you know, that, that you know, digital digital cable companies started to really explode. You know, you went from having just HBO to, you know, you probably had HBO, HBO two, and then maybe like an HBO comedy. Um, so you know, people were spending a lot more time and money on television. Right. Like Mel Brooks was on Mad About You. That's what I was trying to think of. Is like, and he was the funniest goddamn dude. Of course, it's Mel Brooks, and he's just like one of the funniest dudes in, on the planet. But I mean, he got like awards for being on that show. <laughs> it's just crazy how that that happens 
It's like, holy shit. Or like The Simpsons being a guest voice on The Simpsons. What kind of big deal is that, right? King of the Hill. All these like amazing shows that, that these movie stars come and lend their talents to. I think that's so fucking badass. And I think it also happened. I think it also coincided with actors kind of uh, acknowledging their own humility to where, you know, sure. in the 50s and 60s, you know, those big like a macho John Wayne stars, they would never admit to like, oh, I, li- I, I like this show. To where at the time of The Simpsons, you know, everyone loved The Simpsons and, you know, huge stars or, or like South Park, like George Clooney loved South Park. Like he was a fan from like the yeah, VHS. He was like shopping it around. Like, yeah. Check he, the show out. Yeah. He got the, the Jesus versus Santa, like the bootleg that they made before they even had a show. So yeah. he agreed to be on like episode three and he played Stan's gay dog. Like he has no lines. <laughs> and I remember them talking about the absurdity of they have like the biggest star in the world because the time he was doing ER and he was doing movies and he's literally in like, a bathroom on the set of ER making dog noises, you know, that they didn't have, like, they didn't give him a speaking part, <laughs> you know, they didn't take advantage of his stardom. And uh, Seinfeld's, you know, one of his big regrets was they had an episode where they were hunting turkeys in the first season, and Seinfeld was like, hey, I want to be on your show. And so they thought it'd be funny if he was, like, turkey number three. And his whole life, all, all, he, all he would do is be like, gobble, 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 gobble. And Seinfeld says, like, he didn't get it. And so he, you know, passed on it because he did, like, I don't understand it. And he said, like, just years later, he just realized like 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 how funny it was that they they wanted the biggest TV star in the world to be Turkey number three. <laughs> like they weren't interested in like capitalizing on his fame. They just wanted him to be part of the process. And right. uh, he was like, oh, I wish I would have got it. But yeah, well, I mean, it's cooler, right? Because it's kind of a it's kind of a gag when you have a celebrity come on a show to kind kind of legitimize it in some way. But if if the number one comedian in the world is just going gobble gobble, <laughs> that that doesn't bring anything to the table. Any idiot could have done that, right? So the yeah. same with Clooney, the, one of the biggest A listers ever. And because you know that's it's like a stunt, right? It's it's like with uh, Shield when they had. Did they ever have Samuel Jackson like on that first season? Did they have Fury? Yeah, I think I think it was like the final episode of the first season. So the yeah, they do like some sort of stunt appearance to get people to watch the show, and no one's gonna tune into South Park to hear Jerry Seinfeld be a turkey or George Clooney. It's more of a in the credits you're like, holy shit, George Clooney was in this episode. I totally yeah. missed it. And you almost don't even believe it because they have the whole title card at the beginning, like all celebrities or impersonations <laughs> or yeah. done poorly, or whatever. So you yeah. almost wouldn't even believe it that like he really was in that show. <laughs> So it's kind of like Robot Chicken when you'd watch the credits and you'd be like, oh man, how'd they get blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's like they're all friends and they just hang out. Yeah. Or they just they just want to have fun. Like it's just something fun to do. It's not going to take up a ton of their time. You know, so much of so much of acting now is is so serious and you, know, you work in such hellish hours and you're always just like chasing the next thing and stuff like that to to be able just to like go into a studio and pretend you're like He-Man for like a day. That, 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 that's got to be something that's attractive to someone. Right. I mean, and we were talking about this either last week or the week before with guest spots on, on Mandalorian or shows like this where it's basically one of the number one shows in the world. Everyone's talking about it. Of course you're going to be banging on the door, calling your agent, saying, get me on this fucking Mandalorian show. I have to be on it. I don't care if I'm a stormtrooper. I don't care if I'm just guy number six that gets run over by a stormtrooper. Just get me on this show. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, John Turturro was in the first episode and he was unrecognizable and you couldn't even understand. He didn't even get his voice. <laughs> John Leguizamo. Oh, sorry. What did I say? Totoro? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, John Leguizamo. So, that's crazy. That is crazy. That's fucking cool. He went down, got in full makeup, and... <laughs> yeah. Changed up his voice considerably. 
Yeah, he's like, how are people going to know who I am? Oh, that's the point. We don't want them to. It's funnier that way. <laughs> Same concept, <laughs> funnier right? for who? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mandalorian's not going for the laughs, I don't feel like. No. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's crazy stuff. Well, that's all I got. Do you guys have anything else? No, I'm just super excited. My, I mean, my, you know, my, my love for Star Wars, you know, I think like most Star Wars fans kind of really took a hit, you know, with all the negativity and the fandom, you know, coming from, you know, the sequel trilogy. I don't have near the disdain that most people do. Um, it's just really, really nice to just, just be reinvigorated in my love for Star Wars. You know, I've spent my entire life loving this franchise and to kind of see it, you know, in a, going a different direction, you know, I want to direction is more akin to what I'm looking for. Um, you know, really, really does adage, you know, star Wars is for everybody, you know, you know, maybe, maybe the last Jedi was for somebody. It, it was, it was, it was a middle of the road for me. You know, I didn't love it, didn't hate it, but this last season of Mandalorian, you know, whatever you want to call it, fan service, you know, whatever, it, it hit all the, all the bars that I wanted hit in a Star Wars show, and I am just extremely happy that it exists. That's fair. Do you um? So you mentioned fan service. Um, do you want them to experiment a little bit more in the next season, or like just try new things? Like you know, how like Ryan Johnson, he his Star Wars movie is nothing like any other Star Wars movie we've ever seen. Do you want? them to stick with the tried and true or do you think that season three is a good time to experiment with something different i'm all for experimentation and you know the mandalorian is is fan service in so much as that it it pays reverence to the original trilogy over the sequel trilogy and i think that a lot of people what's fan service for me may not be fan service for you you know like I love like the little things, like when they talk about stuff that was from the old canon, you know, things that were from the old EU and stuff like that. And that's, to me, that's, that's what I love because I've invested, you know, hundreds and thousands of hours in reading these books and playing these games and reading these comics. And so for, you know, almost to be validated that like, Hey, I read these things too, just makes me feel kind of warm and special inside. You know, you got a taste of that with Kate and Amoidia in episode right. three. And at some point, you know, that'll always stick with you. Like, oh, my God, I fucking got that reference. I know. Um, when, when we're the only three assholes in the whole theater laughing at that joke. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, li- I literally read the book in line waiting to go see the movie. Maybe yeah, funny. And, and only laughing because you had made a comment like, I don't even know those, those nerd bombers who gets over the inside reference and like. Eight minute, thirty minutes in the movie. There's an inside reference that I know you got, and I'm like, oh man. Yeah, that's funny. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would love for them. I mean, this Mandalorian is something new. I mean, it's it's basically a character who has no real depth to him going on, you know, glorified fetch quests, and you know, it's just interesting to see. It's interesting to see how the outer rim works. You know, there's a lot of people being like, how does he not know who Luke Skywalker is? How do they not be more informed? But in the outer rim, you know, it's it's a different climate. And people complaining about the fetch quests, you know, in the outer rim, it's not it's not so much, you know, credits and money and stuff like that. A lot of it is barter. You know, you got you want me to do no, this for you? You gotta do this for me. <laughs> exactly. If you want me to do something for you, you gotta do something for me. So it makes total sure. sense when he takes his ship and he needs grief cargo to fix it. Grief cargo's like, so I need you to do a favor for me. <laughs> and yeah. So I'm not as turned off by that as some, so yeah, yeah they, they they just got email in the outer rim like the other day. Well, plus, yeah. we're we're all like deeply steeped in the uh, MMORPG world too, so it's like we're used to side quests, right? <laughs> Go get your five belts. 
Yeah. Take this letter to this person. We're we're sitting there grinding out the board just because some some old monk told us to. (laughs) Yeah. And we're doing it for the XP and the new pair of shoes. (laughs) The Gortusk liver. Yeah, just so just so that we can walk ourselves over to the next town and do it all over again. Sure. Like none of these Gortusks have liver. What's going on? (laughs) Mutant. They have health problems. Yeah. No, I, 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 it's funny you mention that because Assassin's Creed Valhalla has a lot of fetch quests, and it's uh, it got it got daunting. I was just like, oh, another one. What can you do? Would you say tiresome? Yeah, I would. <laughs> it was very tiresome. I ran all across England, you know, and I'm fat, and, and, you, and you're famished. <laughs> Well, Randy, where do you where do you put your fandom right now? So, where do you put your fandom pre season one, in between season one and season two, and post season two? Like a scale of one to ten. So, uh, after after the movies, well, okay. So, so this is kind of weird because um, the Skywalker saga ended right around the same time that season one ended. So, had had the movies completely wrapped up before. Mandalorian started that would have been something different because when when Mando first dropped season one the last movie that we came off of I guess technically was Solo which I loved but um, but from a from a saga standpoint uh, it was The Last Jedi which you know I was still pretty disappointed with at the time so I would say my my fandom was fair to middling it was middle of the road you know um, Mando season one just jump started it in a big way and uh i absolutely loved it in in the interim between one and two uh you know the the fires have been burning just as bright not necessarily intensifying but it it never diminished after that like the high that we left at the end of season one i carried that torch all the way to season two through a shitty fucking year of of uncertainty i carried that star wars torch the entire way and then when season two hit and it just kept getting better and better there was a misstep with with episode two uh i was a little there always bit, is <laughs> episode two sucks man I, I i was a little worried but it's just like from after that one from from episode three forward it was just kept building and building and getting better and better it's like holy shit you know it's i i, I just didn't I, I couldn't imagine that that it had the ability to keep going and getting better, and then to culminate at the end of of the final episode of season two, uh, where I, I literally burst into nerd tears. Uh, it's just something that I've I've never done. I don't, I don't think any any media, any movie, any TV, anything has ever made me emotionally react the same way that the season two finale did. Um, I openly wept and, and I don't do that. You know, I am not one of those guys that's well in touch with his emotions. I keep everything (laughs) fucking bottled up and I am going to go crazy and snap one day because of that. But somehow this got, this tore down those castle walls and it got to me in a way that nothing else ever, ever has. So I will end by saying that my star Wars fandom and my love for the franchise is higher and more powerful than it has ever been. Very nice. You're like the Hulk and like your version of like, it's getting uh sun's getting pretty low is uh right. the way or something. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Justin, what do you think of the theory of, you know, you know, a lot of the prequels were so negatively received because we thought that was the end of Star Wars. You know, our last, our lasting image of the franchise was going to be Star Wars Episode Three, and that was a lot for people to handle. But now that we're in an era where we're getting a ton of additional mediums, be the TV shows, you know, future movies and stuff like that, do you think it is a good sign for the franchise in that if there's something you don't like, don't worry, there's something else coming around that you might like? Is that is that is that do you think that's a, that's a sound strategy from Disney? I think so. I think that's fair. I think there's something you said earlier. There's something for everybody. Star Wars for everybody. I think that that makes sense, especially when you saw that that uh, all that news that we had a couple weeks ago. Uh, if if you don't like A, you're gonna like B. If you don't like B, you'll probably like C. So I think that that's fair, and I'm okay with it. And the the very idea that they're all connected and building off of each other, I think, is only gonna solidify this franchise that's already been around multiple generations and i think it's it's all good i i have i am not worried by any stretch of the imagination even the least like star wars in the catalog is still star wars and i still love it so at the end of the day it's a win-win for me as a star wars fan not necessarily for everyone but at least for me (laughs) yeah even episode two which most would consider the the weakest of the the franchise um you know there's still moments in that i still think the last 45 minutes of that movie is pretty good you know once, sure once jango and obi-wan get in their fight and then we go straight to geonosis and we got those fights and then we got you know dooku obi-wan anakin and then we got yoda anakin or yoda uh dooku and dooku yeah it kind of hums the yeah the uh the slave one chase through the asteroids is amazing mm-hmm. yeah uh the soundtrack the uh anakin and padme theme across the stars i think it's called across the stars uh, is absolutely astounding. Some of John Williams' best work. There's a lot to love about that movie. It's interesting that you don't um, you don't cry on movies or TV or whatever, Randy. Because like for me, it's usually like uh, musical cues that sort of set me off. It's so weird. Like I could be totally fine, and then like music comes on, and then it's just like. Oh, my god my screen's getting blurry i can't see <laughs> i just like start crying it's so nuts i i, I mean i'm not gonna say i don't occasionally like tear up and and you know get a little choked up but i don't like openly just like weep and ball yeah, that right. kind of thing the the episode the season closest that got me there was the ahsoka episode uh like seeing her talk to grogu and then hearing the yoda theme and then just like a lot of the stuff that she was saying about uh, you know, alluding to Anakin and all that kind of stuff. All that stuff, it choked me up and it got me almost there. But it took this episode and seeing Luke and seeing R2 and, you know, everything kind of coming together and having it be this, like, this beautiful but 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 sad parting of ways. It, it took that to, to get me there. Sure. Yeah, it's funny yeah, you mentioned music, Justin. It, it, it's oh, it's always the music, like like when you're watching like Rudy, and all of a sudden that that goddamn theme oh. comes in, he runs yeah. out of the field, and like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't take it. Oh, oh my god! For Notre Dame. I know it's so nuts. And like Return of the King, I cry all through that for four hours. I'm crying when I watch that movie. It, yeah. I just love the music so much, and like, um. You know when when he's when Aragorn says, "My friends, you bow to no one." I'm, that's when I just I can't take it anymore, and I'm just sitting in puddles of tears, and it's awful. But um, I mean, fucking, I cry at Rocky. My God, Creed when when Rocky's like talking about 
when he just found out that he has cancer and he's upset. Oh my god, I, I just start crying immediately. I can't take it. And he's like, gonna oh. give up, and then yeah, like, I'm like, no. honest, talk him out of it. I'm like, oh my god, what's happening to me? Oh my god, I just wipe my face. I can't take it. Uh, fucking quick, quick, miracle. show me a montage of a Russian fighting <laughs> quickly, quickly. Right. <laughs> I need this miracle makes me cry at the end when they win, and the music's playing and they're celebrating. And do you believe in miracles? Oh my god, I can't take it. And uh, whew. I, st- I still get all tensed up when at, when they go ahead in miracle and they keep showing them, they keep shooting on the goal, they keep showing the goal. I know what's happening, but I'm like, oh my god, dude. Yeah, I'm just a baby, man. I fight ET when I, I'm 40 years old, right? And I'm still crying when he gets all sick and he's white. <laughs> I can't take it. I just like. I just fast forward. So I don't have to cry right now. Bike. Get on the bike. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm a baby. I cry. That's I'm a crier. You're in yeah. good company. You're in touch with your emotions. Sure. Randy is on a different level. <laughs> yeah. He's, He's a cold-hearted too, cynic. He's too manly to admit it. For the most part, I... I am somewhat of a cold-hearted cynic but it you know every once in a while something like this will come along and i guess prove that that's maybe not the case sure puppets that's your weakness <laughs> yeah great muppet caper you are just bawling your eyes out oh, wow. Pu- yeah puppets and animatronics <laughs> to get me every time hooter that's fun <laughs> my goodness that's it is that it? Are we done? Done. It's almost Christmas, you know. Christmas day in the morning. See, I, I can can't do it wait. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, thank you for listening. I hope you have a very merry Christmas or whatever happy holidays that you celebrate. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Geek Legacy. Lots of fun there. And check out the other podcasts that we have. Of course, we have the Don't Be Crazy podcast with Mr. Zachary Rancor talking about movies and what makes them amazing or just a pile of rubbish. And then you also have the Pixelated Podcast with Stephen K. James talking about video games, mostly cyberpunk these days, and how terrible it is. <laughs> uh, other than that... Oh, I'm not even playing your game behind you. I know. I, I'm taking it back. I never opened it. Smart on me, right? And uh, there you go. I hope you get everything that you wanted for Christmas. Stay happy. Stay healthy. Be safe. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Thank you so much. Get fucked. You are the best. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs>